Welcome, everyone. Welcome, everyone. How are we doing today? As always, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you guys to the Max Marzo podcast. As always, shameless plug off the bat. Always an athlete team. If you guys are interested in joining the Always an Athlete team, check out the seven day free trial. Seven days free trial gives you a chance to get like your you know your feet underneath you. Um, it's an ongoing team, which is really cool. So it's not like oh, this is a, a four week program or a two month program. It's an ongoing people on for multiple years, which is really dope if you think about it. That someone's been following my program for two years. Wow, um, they obviously like it and they enjoy it, and you might too. But the point is. I get that seven day free trial to be getting pretty nice because it allows you to kind of just get acclimated with everything. And then from there, you can kind of decide if it's a good fit for you. So um, we also have EdU, which is now officially up and running. I'll actually mention a little bit of that today in our podcast. I'm talking about acceleration, deceleration work. I just uploaded a little bit of presentation on that. Um, but EdU is awesome uh, resource, numerous coaches, different professional staff, staffs, collegiate staffs, um, physical therapists, personal trainers. People just want to learn more. We have a wide variety of topics on there. You can check it out. We have a website that goes with it. And it's also on the app as well. It's on Passion.io or whatever that is called. Um, so Edgy, I'll put that in the show notes for those who are interested. It's 30 bucks a month. And it's got hours and hours of content. So people are like, hey, can I buy this one specific course from you? Can I buy this reactive strength course? Well, if you just sign up for that $30 a month, you get all the courses. Um, you get all the new content we upload. We try to put out a new course every month. Um, and then we also have ongoing uploads throughout the month as well. So we have kind of like this main core of courses you can check out, but we also have the information that we ourselves are learning throughout the process. So go ahead and uh, give that a, a go. I think it's really much, very much worthwhile. Lots of tons of information on there. Um, really kind of where I put forth all my higher level educational stuff that I'm very passionate about and um, go check it out. So I'll put those in the show notes as well. Um, fun talk today, talking a little bit about getting back in shape and it's shape, getting in shape is such a specific thing. Um, I'm trying to get back into playing basketball shape again. I have a pipe dream of playing a little bit more competitively somewhere in the future, not necessarily professional, but I'll, I'll keep the, you know, the pipe dream to myself, but I want to, give my chance, my chance, myself a chance to really feel like what my athletes go through. Now, when my athletes are here in the off season, I, I have to coach them. <laughs> I'm not on the court training with them, um, but they do all the court work and stuff. And I want to go through it myself at least for a month, if not a couple more to try and really figure out, obviously it's not as much volume as them still, but getting on the court is really important for me. So I really want to understand how this training fits as a whole. And of course, you know, it's an opportunity for me to kind of explore the holistic model of it all. I'm trying to learn some skills as I do it and really challenging myself. And so I'll give you guys some updates along the way. Um, but the process of getting back in shape is an interesting one. It's it's a little bit more different or a little more difficult than I, I imagine, to be honest with you. Um, it's, it's a great learning experience. We'll walk through it. Before I get started, so I'm back on the court and I have to get shoes. Right, I'm playing basketball again. I need to actually get some shoes that fit me. I have a pair of size 12 and a half shoes that aren't mine that someone gave to me and they don't really fit the best. I played in them still, but if you're playing every day, you can't have your feet sliding around. Uh, you can get away with it for a game if you just wear enough socks. So they're like these Kyrie's and they're kind of nice. My favorite shoes all time. I have a pair of Kobe's I really like. 
I have a pair of Russell Westbrook's Wide Knots 0.2, the version two. Those are really comfortable. I would have bought multiple pairs of those if I had known that they were going to change so much in the new models. Now I got some Paul George's, the sixes, and those are nice. It's wild how much shoes change. Um, people are going quite a bit to these wider toe boxes, and it kind of actually makes the foot feel kind of weird. Um, I know they say, oh, a wide toe box allows the foot to move and whatnot. I, I'm not a, I have wide feet, personally. I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, I like to have my shoe feel like it's just one with my foot. I don't like the ability for my foot to move a ton, especially in basketball. It's kind of a weird feeling, but you're getting used to it. Um, and then LeBron has these XXs coming out, well, 20s, I suppose. And they look really nice. I like shoes that are just kind of basic shoes. I used to be a high top guy, kind of gone mid and low tops. The point of the story is um, I want to get back on the court and running. So I need a pair of basketball shoes. And my first thing you must have forgotten, or I forgot, is how demanding friction forces are. So I've been running on the field. I've been running on turf. I've been jumping and doing all this stuff. But you just don't have the friction forces that you get with um, being on the court. Like when you stop on the court, there is, it stops. <laughs> it's not like when you're running on, on grass, like if you try to stop and slow yourself down, you'll take multiple steps and you'll kind of dissipate the energy that your shoe will grab so aggressively on this court that you will stop before you are ready to stop. And that is a friendly reminder to my feet and ankles about how much I had not been doing laterally with that level of friction force. And it really got me thinking quite a bit how easy it is to have overuse issues and overload issues because there is a, a formula which is called jerk. It's the rate of acceleration. So if you think of velocity is the rate of change in distance over time. Acceleration is the rate of change of velocity. Jerk is the rate of change of acceleration. And what's happening is when you have massive accelerations and decelerations, you have huge changes in jerk. It's a pretty fitting uh, title for it, right? Like it, well, you would imagine what jerk you around if you're on a roller coaster, those rapid accelerations. Well, when we think about that, if it's happening so fast, it's, it's not just like, it's not only the muscle that's being loaded. You have to think about the entire joint. You have bones being moved aggressively, tendons being pulled, and everything's being yanked around. And so that was one of the biggest eye-opening experiences off the bat was you can squat all you want. You can run all you want, do all this stuff. If you're not on the court, you are going to be missing out on some of those really important friction forces. And what was interesting on top of that was as I, I, I could run and sprint off the court, but when I was on the court, I didn't feel comfortable sprinting as fast because I couldn't slow down as well as I wanted to. And your brain is almost toggling back and forth between the safety aspect of can I run this fast and should I run this fast? And it's really, really evident the more I add curvilinear stuff. So when I would run with a slight curve on our Always an Athlete team, we've actually had this introduced where we're doing some acceleration and deceleration work on a slight curve. Um, I have a whole edu presentation on this as well. But the idea of it is I'm working to build in not just a linear stop and go, which, by the way, off the bat, I realized I was already lacking. I'd run sprints and I'd say, OK, I'm going to run. You know, had to half court. I'm gonna give myself. Well, I have two of these courts back. That's not my court. The facility has. It's like a big. Um, how to describe it? Like a convention center. Not convention center. I can't even think. Like a recreational center it has lots of courts next to each other. Um, and there's two courts back to back. 
And so they connected directly with hardwood and you can run and you can take like another court to slow down from your sprint. So initially I was running just to get my feet used to having the contacts on the hardwood. So I'd sprint and get used to that. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to start adding some deceleration where I'm going to sprint three quarters of the court and slow down at the next half court. And eventually I progressed into I'm going to sprint three quarters court or to half court. I'm going to try and stop before at the baseline and before the baseline and like at the three point line, like I'm running in a game. And so slowly progressing this over time and you realize the first couple of times you do it, you don't want to stop your body's like, you're not ready for this. And another aspect that correlates with that is the added mass I have. When I played basketball, the last time I really was on the court multiple days in the week training, I was probably a buck 90, um, 190 pounds. Right now I'm like mm, 225, let's say 225 probably. It's a pretty safe estimate. Actually, it is 225, maybe creeping closer to 230. I'm trying to add some weight. But it's 40 pounds, 30, 30 pounds difference, 35 pounds um, between when I played. And so you have to consider momentum. Momentum is not just your velocity. I can probably sprint a little bit faster than when I played. So I now run faster, I weigh more, and I have to do something, stop over a period of time, which is shorter than I've stopped in maybe five years consistently, running for half court or three quarters court and then stopping. And you realize all of a sudden, oh my goodness, this actually really does matter. Whole Sir Isaac Newton's physics really catches up with you there. And that was an awesome learning experience. And so I'm trying to document a lot of this to myself and I'll share it on here. If people are interested, I can make maybe more of an actual YouTube following of this. So if you guys are curious about that, I can do that as well. I've actually documenting this ability to kind of return back into play. Now, in this process, it's not just a physical process. I want to learn some skills. I really want to challenge myself. And so I went and bought a wonderful book, How We Learn to Move by Rob Gray. And it's the science of how we learn to move and acquire skills. And it's an absolutely wonderful book. And it has some really awesome topics on there. Um, but part of that is connected with a recent Instagram post I made. And I promise you it's connected with all this. It has to do with perception. And so in the book, it talked about the importance of embodied perception, essentially that we don't view our physical world in terms of the physicalness. We view the physical world in terms of the physicalness, for lack of better words, um, allows us to do. So it's called affordances. What We don't just see an overhang, we see shelter when it's raining. We don't just see you know, 10 feet, um, we see maybe an opening to run a route or a first down. It's all embodied perceptually. And they did a cool study they talked about was they had people who walked up an escalator or went up the stairs and they were right next to each other. And they asked people who went up the escalator, what kind of incline they thought the stairs were. And the people said, oh, around 60 degrees. And people who took the stairs said it was around 50 degrees. And the idea was that our belief, because no matter if you thought it was 60, if you thought it was 50, it is a physical degree incline regardless. But people who didn't take the stairs perceived it to be steeper. Just like in basketball, people that might yell at you for taking a shot that they themselves cannot make because they don't perceive that to be a good shot. And this is actually something I ran into playing pickup or not even pickup, but like a adult league. Now, I'm not a high level basketball player, but adult leagues, definitely not college basketball. Even if I played D3 hoops, you'd be surprised how talented some of those guys are. Um, and so the shots you can take in adult league what appears to be guarded is very much not a guarded shot. 
in college basketball, I was a shooter. I had guys who would literally just follow me all game around. And so my perception of open is very different than someone else's perception of open. And I wondered how that related to coaching and skill stuff as well, because not just related to how I perceive my skills. If I'm working on a skill, can I perceive I make this shot, but also like as a coach, do you perceive that to be a good shot, a bad shot? Are you perceiving that based on your beliefs or their abilities? And so that's where like statistics and analytics can really help get past some of these perceptual biases that might exist as a coach where you think this is best because this is how it worked best for you. And in reality, the, the numbers can help back whether or not the decision was correct. Um, but on top of that, going back to the running part, the when I said the beginning was I would run and I wouldn't know if I could like feel if I could stop or not, or if I was comfortable slowing down. And part of that was the perception. I didn't perceive my ability to be safe. And so by building in this kind of progression, I began to re-educate my perception. It's almost like if you've seen or read about people getting over fear, there's that famous psychologist who would help people get over like the fear of whatever. And like spiders was an example. And they would slowly progress the person closer to the spider where they would be like in the room next to the spider. And then they'd have a window to see the spider. And then they'd be in the same room with the spider in a case. And they'd be next to the case with the spider. And then they would have the case open and they'd be by the spider. And they eventually got used to being around the spider and overcame their arachnophobia. That is perception. And I wonder how much that psychology plays a role in a lot of my movement, where I perceive the ability to run. Um, in this study as well, in the book, I talk about how like, when you make a bunch of shots, that hoop actually looks larger. And they have interesting research and studies in that book as well. And I'll talk about that book in a separate podcast because it's just wonderful. Maybe we can get Dr. Rob Gray on here as well to talk about the book. Um, cause it's just a, a absolutely cool book. And it's a book that you don't need to be a movement scientist to enjoy. If you work with humans, it's something you should really consider. Um, just in general, it's awesome. But the idea of it was getting back into shape was just way more robust than just running on the court and doing some basketball drills. It was the re-education of my perception. Um, my my speed at which I would come off a down screen. So I was working on pin downs and certain movements I used to move and do. And at first I was like, man, I'm really, I would just, I filmed myself. And I was like, gosh, I feel like I'm moving really fast, but I'm really not moving fast at all. <laughs> it was interesting because my perception was toggling that speed because I haven't been doing anything game speed related. Then over a couple of weeks or a week, it's like, now I'm actually moving much quicker. I can feel it. I can see it but the pace isn't perturbing my skill. And so it's those affordances again. Uh, your ability to be in shape is so, it's obviously physical. There are Newtons involved, there's physics involved, there's loading. Like when I came back into play, I didn't want to rush the loading and get an itis. So I was really conscious about what I did in the weight room, how much my accelerations and decelerations were. I change the direction, how much curvilinear stuff. And again, I'm still still very young in this process. I'm trying to do this for a couple of months. Um, my feet would hurt a lot. They don't hurt anymore when I play. The time on court I can go for is way higher when I first started. I mean, it was like 15, 20, 30 minutes at most. Now I can be on there for an hour and a half, be just fine. I could go back later in the day, to be honest with you. Um, that was an interesting aspect was your feet, getting used to those friction forces, so there's a physical side of it, but then there's that perceptual side as well. The perception of, oh, I, I'm fatigued. And there are sensory motor pathways where 
if your feet physically hurt, I noticed my feet were hurt because breaking in the shoes as well. I would have no more uh, ability to run fast or jump because it was almost this pain seg- signal uh, from my my ankle was inhibiting my ability to actually express higher outputs. Uh, the the afferent signal from my foot to my brain, so it's coming my afferent, which is away or not a, um, yeah. So from my foot to my brain, and e coming from my brain to my muscle, efferent was inhibited. So the airferent muscle signal from my foot and ow, that really hurts, dude. <laughs> you're not, you're not in shape for this was inhibiting my quads and calves to actually produce force. I know this because I would actually bring two pairs of shoes because I would take the shoes off, give it a couple minutes and then switch shoes. I'd be back to actually moving again. Then you can say, oh, that's the rest period. No, because I could leave those shoes on and my feet would still really hurt. So moral of the story is there's a lot more to getting in shape. And it's helped me add some stuff to my training programs for the Always an Athlete team. It's helped me learn and think. And I, I got this book at the right time because it's opened my brain to that idea quite a bit as well. Um, the idea of perception. I'll share one more cool study they did because it has to do with that physical capacity. Now, they did a study from that book. They talked about how they had rock climbers. They had advanced rock climbers, moderate and beginners. And they tested their grip strength. And basically, based on your grip strength, they put these eye tracking devices on you called semi eye tracking. And they looked at how they tracked the path that they were going to take for their rock climbing. And what they turned, turned out to be was people who didn't have much grip strength had a very, very limited, repeatable path of vision because they didn't have the physical ability to do more advanced moves. So they were simply looking for the path that they could operate through. Now, if they were more advanced, they'd actually have a more creative path. They'd look at different footholds and positions that they could actually handle because their physical capacity would allow them. In the same way, my physical capacity at the beginning of this process is probably going to be lower than what we will be at the end. And so what might be perceived as availability or not available at certain times for my physical training and what I can and can't do on the court, speed of movement, speed of finishing, speed of jumping, my openness, my ability to dribble with my left hand, whatever the heck it might be, could potentially change. If you think about someone who can't really dribble well with their left hand, well, they don't see openings and they don't see the ability to attack the hoop with their left hand because that's limiting their ability. They're simply just trying to avoid turning it over versus the physical capacity of their dribbling ability to left hand allows them to actually perform skills in creative fashions. And so you remove some of these hindrances and rate limiting aspects. Um, so it is, it is extremely interesting stuff. As I get back into shape, do my best to be creative and think about this process as a whole and share it with you all here um, and share what I learn and share some things I uncover. And I'll continue to talk about that wonderful book because there's many examples I want to talk about in there still. Some very cool ones about perception of how open you are and how someone perceives uh, effort and how that changes everything. Um, Certain methods and skills training you might want to add in there. Very cool examples. So that's the book. It's uh, How We Learn to Move by Rob Gray. Check it out. Um, So and follow along. Again, as always, um, this podcast is here designed to help people learn. And so I try to share a variety of stuff uh, in that process. Uh, I myself am learning as well. So I just want to say thanks to everyone who support this podcast. I appreciate y'all. As always, take care. I hope you enjoy and peace out.